0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Strong for Performance. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and with me today is one of my favorite people, Dr. Mark Golston. Welcome, Mark.
1: Always glad to be with you, Meredith. You know, you're one of my favorite people, too.
0: Oh, good. Well, so we have our own little fan club here, and we're letting everybody else in on it today. (laughs) Well, one of the things I love about Mark is that he is such a prolific creator of content and of ideas, he's written two of my very favorite books. One is Just Listen, and the other is Talking to Crazy. And Mark is so effective because he has uh, his training was as a psychiatrist. He worked with a lot of folks who had very serious problems. Some of them suicidal thoughts, and he was extremely effective in learning how to be empathic, connect with them, and really make a difference. And so he's taken those skills to the corporate world and has helped teach leaders and other people inside organizations how to really connect and be more effective. And today I'm very excited about our topic because he's going to be discussing something that I think many coaches and consultants struggle with when it comes to sales and marketing. And that's this whole idea of how can you be compelling and also convincing without trying to be too pushy. And Mark, I know you have a lot of expertise in that area, and so I'm looking forward to having you share that. And in addition, Mark's going to be telling us about Apple and Steve Jobs and how they created their products to be compelling. And he's going to share a very special formula with us on how to have that same impact with your own business. So, Mark, welcome. Let's get started.
1: Let's get started, yeah. Now, what I find with a lot of people is that they tend to be more convincing than compelling. And when you try to convince people, you're, you come off as pushing, you're, you're, you're pressuring them compelling you draw them towards you so the more that you can attract people towards you so that they want more of you the more influential you'll be and in the long run the more persuasive you'll be what happens too often though is people will try to be convincing about not only what they do it but this is how I do it and this is how it happens and a lot of people sort of smile like this uh, but they often end up like deers in the headlights of a sales pitch uh, that they'd like to get out of. And and being being compelling is the way you open people's minds so that they want more of you. And as you mentioned, uh, for actually a year, I toured playing Steve Jobs coming back from the dead. And I had the turtleneck on, I had the glasses on, and I, I probably gave it about 15, 18 times. But then what happened is he became more historic, And we have a reigning visionary, Elon Musk. And by the way, he follows the same thing, the same unconscious formula to make his products, his presentations more compelling than other people. And that's why we want to hear more. We want to know what he's doing and what he's doing next. Uh, The formula that I've observed that Steve Jobs and Elon Musk does when they introduce a product actually... Uh, is the same reaction that Steve Jobs had when he first noticed the graphical user interface of Xerox PARC. Now, that's the mouse. That was the first time he realized that you could interact with a computer in this playful way, using a mouse and a graphical user interface. And we're going to play a uh, video of him doing that, but I'm going to give you the formula because I want you to notice how as he's retelling the story that he follows the formula. So the formula is simply this. It's four steps. The first step is whoa, W-H-O-A. The second step is wow, W-O-W. The third step is hmm, H-M-M-M. And the fourth step is yes. And what those each mean is whoa is what you need to do to break into people's minds because people are overwhelmed, they're preoccupied, And you know you've created woe when the person you're speaking to or the audience says, can you repeat that again? Or if you're speaking to an audience, someone will elbow the person next to them, what did he say? What did she say? So you interrupt it, and really what woe means is, I can't believe what I just saw or heard uh, or read, if you're putting out marketing materials. And then wow is you take a second uh, check on that on that on what you first saw heard read and wow is that's astonishing that's amazing that's unbelievable, is that what your product does is that what your service does is that what you do, and so that's what wow creates, and then once you've created that in the in your customer client or investor or ta- talent you're trying to attract, uh, that the next step is hmm and hmm means this is too good not to use. This is too good to ignore. I don't know how we're going to use it, but we're going to use it. And then once your customer, client, talent, or investor has a picture of how they're going to use it, they go, yes, sold. So to demonstrate this, we're now going to show a brief video of Steve Jobs recalling his visiting Xerox PARC and his first laying eyes on the graphical user
2: interface and they showed me really uh... three things but i was so blinded by the first one that i didn't even really see the other two uh... one of the things they showed me was object-oriented programming they showed me that but i didn't even see that the other one they showed me was really a networked computer system They had over a hundred alto computers all networked using email et cetera et cetera i didn't even see that i was so blinded by the first thing they showed me, which was the graphical user interface. I thought it was the best thing I had ever seen in my life. Now, remember, it was very flawed. What we saw was incomplete, they'd done a bunch of things wrong, but we didn't know that at the time. it's still, though, they had the germ of the of the idea was there and they'd done it very well. And within, you know, ten minutes, it was obvious to me that all computers would work like this
1: if you watch that or heard that I think you can see how Steve Jobs recall how when he first laid eyes on the graphical user interface what did he say it was the best thing I'd ever seen in my life and then he thought about it it, it was flawed but boy it basically worked and then at the end he realizes uh within 10 minutes I knew that all computers would work this way so the question for you, if you're listening in, is when you do a presentation, when you write materials, uh, when you um, speak to anyone, are you triggering whoa, wow hmm, yes? Because in this uh, low attention span world, if you're not triggering whoa, whoa, hmm, yes, what you're triggering is, nah, never mind, no thanks, bye. So... What we'd like you to do is that whenever you're making a presentation, whenever, even I'm hoping that our, our little, uh, our video today triggers whoa, wow, hmm, yes, in you. And I'll, and I'll share a story about that. I shared the formula with the CEO of Harvard Business Publishing, David Wan, great guy. He oversees all their publications. And as soon as I mentioned whoa, wow, hmm, yes, he spontaneously took out a piece of paper, and he wrote down the formula. And then a little while later, I was speaking with Art Kleiner, and he was the editor-in-chief of strategy and business. That's kind of a competitor, HBR. And he did the same thing, took out a piece of paper. So just the whoa, wow, hmm, yes is a whoa, wow, hmm, yes. And so that's something you want to do. And by the way, if you have a business and a marketing department, go to them and say, uh, does everything that our potential customer and client see, hear, or read about us trigger whoa, well, wow well, yes? Because if it doesn't, we need to change it.
0: It would be great if you could give a couple of examples where people have actually used this. In the case, say, of Apple, how did Steve Jobs accomplish that with Elon Musk? How do you see him accomplishing it? Since you said they both utilize this formula without really consciously being aware of those four steps that you just described?
1: Well, I think part of it is uh, one of the things that Steve Jobs and Elon Musk have in common, as do a lot of visionaries, is they're all a little bit ADD. uh, And they're all easily distracted. And it takes a lot for them to really focus into something. And so what they need is when they see something it needs to trigger adrenaline in them an adrenaline rush because adrenaline is natural adderall and it helps them to focus and so when they see something one of the things that elon musk and Steve jobs had in common is that they were first class noticers so that's another takeaway that you want to learn if you want to be impactful in the world and be compelling be a first-class noticer. So what Steve Jobs noticed is it was too difficult to use personal computers. You had to type in too much stuff. But when there was something that was visual like a game, he noticed this now makes it fun. What Elon Musk has noticed in multiple industries is, well, why don't you know gasoline is too pricey. Why don't we, you know, why don't we come up with an electric engine? And geez, while we're at it, why don't we? you know, why don't we fly to the moon? In fact, why don't we take one of our cars and put it on one of our spaceships and let it fly off into the universe? And so, so they were first-class noticers. And what you want to be, if, if you uh, want to be successful, is you want to notice some unmet need out in, the, uh, out in the world. And also what you want to notice is uh, coming up with a solution that is different. People do not remember better than, they remember different than. If you're better than, you're merely a commodity because everybody says they're better than. But if you're different than, then uh, you grab people's attention. So one of the ways that I've uh, grabbed from my own uh, experience in life when I'm talking about communication and being compelling is I always put in the introduction, or when people introduce me, they say, oh, he's a former FBI and police hostage negotiator. So that's a differentiator. So often, you know, it's not a very whoa wow yes, topic to talk about listening or communication, but when people say he's trained hostage negotiators, that suddenly makes me different. And so I use that as a differentiator, and I think that what that triggers in people is, whoa, he must know something if he knows how to get through to people in life and death situations. So those would be a, a couple examples. One other one which I often bring up uh, when I'm giving a presentation is, and I do it in this cutesy way, I say, what do you think is the likelihood of a multi-billionaire quoting a psychological type in an article that other billionaires will read And this billionaire doesn't particularly believe in psychology, and he's really not that known for quoting other people. What do you think the chances of him doing that would be? Now, most people know it's a setup. Uh, And then I say, uh, do a search for Eli Broad, B-R-O-A-D, Mark Goulston, G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N. And the very first search that comes out is a Forbes magazine article and it says Eli Broad picks the world's seven most powerful philanthropists. And and even there when you do the search, you don't even want to click in the article. There's a quote there. And the quote is wealth is what you take from the world, worth is what you give back, Mark Goulston. Uh, And there's a and there's a whoa whoa, wow yes story behind that quote. Uh, I had met Eli at various functions so he sort of knew who I was and I'd given him some suggestions about some management issues so so he was willing to take my call because he sort of remembered me and he was kind of polite and, but Eli is is a force of nature I mean he is in a rush and I get him on the phone I say hi Eli uh this is Mark Goulston he said yeah Mark I yeah I remember you I, I'm in a rush I got to do things what's this about I said, are you ever going to write a book on philanthropy? He says, Mark, I don't know. I really got to go. And I said, seven seconds, Eli. Wealth is what you take from the world. Worth is what you give back. And, he, and then, so here's the whoa. Say that again, Mark. <laughs> now <And then, laughs> I told him, wealth is what you take from the world. Worth is what you give back. It's a great title for a book. You know, I'm never going to be a philanthropist. I donate, but use it. Keep it. It's yours. You do a lot for the world. Don't attribute it to me. And he said, well, Mark, I, I got a rush. And then six months later, Forbes magazine calls me and says, you know, we got a quote here from Eli Broad attributed to you. We just wanted to check it out. So clearly what happened is he went, whoa, uh, that, was, that was something worth writing down. And then the wow is when he said, that's pretty good, Mark. And he wrote it down somewhere, and then when he wrote this article, they probably said, do you have any good quotes to start the article? And he went, hmm, I think I got, I think I got a quote here from someone. And then he gave it to them, and that was the yes. So that's an example of, uh, you know, uh, again, of using whoa, wow, hmm, yes. So I, I hope these are helpful examples of what you want to do you know, when you're going out and you're wanting to be compelling. So whoa, WOW hmm, yes, is a way to be more compelling.
0: Well, I love all of those examples and thinking about our audience and how they could apply those. The one where you pulled out that you had trained the FBI on negotiating with hostages, and that really set you up as different from others. When I think about Uh, Today, it's pretty competitive, you know, with people who are executive coaches. I know larger companies are doing a lot to vet potential candidates. And so I think your idea applies really well to them. Similarly, with consultants who work with business owners or do other things within organizations, what is it about them that really makes them different? And I love your distinction between better and different. And so if they go back and look at what's my story, you know, what are some of the elements of things that I've done that maybe I've taken for granted or haven't given myself adequate credit for, but would be compelling for someone to hear about.
1: Yeah, I'll share something,
0: questions.
1: So here's something that is, uh, I've developed into a training presentation and you know, Just Listen has done very well. It's It became a book on listening in the world and is in 23 languages. But I'm continually learning. And in the last six months, I've learned something that has really changed my life as both a coach, a consultant, husband, dad. And I'm practicing it because I don't do it naturally. And so when I'm with people, and I'm actually going to do it with you, Meredith, Right. I, uh, I, I notice when I'm with people that they're always looking for and listening for something. And so I focus on what they might be looking for and listening for. And when I'm with people and I'm looking into their eyes because I'm just curious about what they're looking for and listening for, it, it's really a fascinating way that we connect eye to eye. And so if I would apply that to you, and if you're a coach or a consultant, you could actually use this and and, you can, and I'm going to give away the formula, could say, you know, you know Meredith, we're talking here and you're listening and I'm, I'm checking on what you might be listening for, and I wanted to run it by you. So let me see if I've got it right. Uh, so, so getting where someone's coming from without their telling you what, what, where they're coming from is very compelling because they feel gee you can read my mind i wonder what else you know about me so what i would say is meredith i think what you're looking for and listening for is that i give material that is relevant to your listeners and viewers not just relevant but immediately usable something they can do right after right after they hear the interview the podcast that makes their lives better. I think you're also looking and listening for something that they don't have to, they don't have to be an expert psychologist type. You're looking for something that's free of jargon. that's not complicated. That's just incredibly simple, like, whoa, wow, hmm, yes. Uh, and, and you're also looking and listening for whether you have confidence in what I'm saying, confidence in me. Now, what your listeners may or may not know, because we've at many interviews like this, is you have a lot of confidence in me that on each of our our conversations that I seem to bring value that is immediately usable. So is any of that accurate, what I just said?
0: A hundred percent, all of it.
1: Yeah. And so, see, you could actually say this. If you're a consultant or a coach, instead of pulling back and thinking what you're going to sell them, And if someone's asking you, well, well, tell me what it is that you do, uh, what you can say to them is, well, let me see if I can earn the right to your attention. So you say that to a potential client. Uh, As we're talking, I'm imagining that you're looking for and listening for something. and And I'm imagining that what you're looking for and listening for is something that is relevant to you now maybe something to help you deal with a situation that you're facing right now, or maybe something that you can use uh, beyond now uh, in the long run. And something also, you're looking for something that's doable by you, where you don't have to become some sort of expert or have my expertise, uh, because you really like to get whatever this issue is is solved. Uh, am I accurate? Am I tracking with you? Is that part of what you're looking for and listening for it? And they're going to say yes. And then you can say, can you fill me in on what some of those issues might be that you would really like a solution or help with that you haven't found? And then they're opening up to you. And then you can even say, you know, and not, thank you for sharing that with me. And now I'm imagining that what you're looking and listening for is not just that, I have a relevant solution, but that you can have confidence in me. That you have a feeling that what I'm sharing with you will actually solve the situation you're trying to solve and, uh, and that it will work out. So is that also true? You know, Am I being relevant? Am I being someone that you can have confidence in? Are those true? And so by having this engaging conversation, can you see how you're compelling them to actually want to find out more and how that is much different than a sales pitch.
0: Well, absolutely. I love what you just said. And uh, I'm sure people are taking notes and are adapting that as a script to use in the future because the focus is really on them. And the beauty of that for someone who's a coach and consultant and is often uncomfortable in the sales role is they're really just continuing the role they've already been comfortable in the service they're typically providing asking questions you know checking to see if it's accurate but in this case it's related to this potential client and what's important to them and so i was just imagining a scenario in which that conversation would take place and thinking how goes such a long way in building trust with that prospective client as they are seeing, again, how different this type of conversation is compared to what they usually are subjected to (laughs) with people trying to convince them, why you ought to go with me because my services are this, this, and this. And instead, just being so present with them because, you know, Mark, what you're describing here as a an approach to take really requires somebody being fully present. You can't just halfway be listening. You've got to really be tuned in to that person and what you're sensing from them beyond the words they're saying in order to really come out with the um, the comments and Checking out of things that you just described.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to give you uh, another takeaway. So, I do masterminds uh, with coaches and salespeople and executives on how to be more impactful. And so, uh, so here here's another uh, lost leader, as we say. Lost leaders are supposed to be compelling. Uh, and there, and there's no bait and switch. You don't have to buy anything from me. <laughs> uh, so, also in the conversation. Once they're engaging, uh, there's something that I sometimes use, and I say, I think one of the things that you're also uh, listening for is what I call 1116, and they're going to say, "What? Yeah, 1116." And this is especially helpful if you're doing B2B selling, uh, and you're uh, and someone and you're talking to a buyer who's wanting to buy, not. Uh, coaching services or product. And they're going to say, what is 1116? So it's simple. What you're listening for is if you do say yes to our working together, that you won't regret it one day, one week, or one month from now. Because you've said yes to things that you regretted one day, one week, one month, and you're listening and hoping that this won't turn into it. And what you're also listening for, and you're not even aware of it, is something that six months from now, you say, that was one of the best decisions I've made in a long time. That was a home run. Hiring you, bringing you in to train, uh, buying your product, buying your services. Uh, that was one of the best decisions I've made in a long time. So if you add that, What's going to happen, and and another way that you know that you've triggered the whoa, wow and the hmm, is if you're with them face-to-face, when you go about the 1116, and you explain it to them, they're going to break eye contact with you. They're going to look up like this, and they're going to think about that. Let's see, 1116. Wow, I wasn't even aware of that. And when they look up to consider... Yeah, I'm really listening for whether I'll regret it one day, one week, one month from now, and whether six months from now I'll say that's one of the best decisions I've made in a long time. When they look up to consider it, and then they look at you, it's a different conversation.
0: That's magic.
1: <laughs> it's semi magic, and you know, and that's, and that's that's part of what we, you know we cover in the mastermind groups, and uh, also in coaching and training and
2: whatnot.
0: Well, the other thing about it is it's very, you know, genuine and non-manipulative. You're simply laying out because anyone that I can think of in, in that role of trying to sell their services wouldn't, and is, of course, an ethical person, wouldn't bring that up without being convinced that they can deliver on that promise that six months from now that person would be thrilled to have made that decision. So that is a fabulous formula. Thank you.
1: And and what it also means is don't sell or have a service that you don't think is top notch. Yes. See, if you get people to trust you, and when you do the 1116, people not only feel you're relevant and they're not only confident in you, they have trust in you. Mm-hmm. and the point is if you're if you're selling something or you're offering a service that's mediocre they're going to come after you because you got them to lower their guard and trust you and you didn't deliver so i wouldn't use that last thing unless you have a service or a product that delivers on it and if you don't uh find another service or product
0: mm-hmm. well and the other thing is depending on the length of the service or product you're going to be providing is following up to check with them between, you know, day one and and the six month period to, you know, make sure get feedback along the way to get a sense of their level of delight with their decision. So you're not just kind of hoping six months from now, they'll say, yeah, that was a great decision.
1: Absolutely. And in fact, what you want to say is by the way, if we decide to work together, uh, I'm going to check in with you and, and you figure out at, at the very longest every month, maybe if you're coaching, you know, once a month is probably enough and, and we're going to have a coaching call and it's going to be no charge to you because you're going to be helping me get better. And, I want, and what I want to ask you is, are we on track? Are we on track to what you're wanting to accomplish and my keeping that promise? Because if you don't accomplish or get the result you want, and I didn't keep my promise to you, uh, it's going to affect my credibility and my reputation, and and I I can't allow that to happen.
0: Excellent. That's great, Mark. I love all these tips that you've shared with us, the compelling versus convincing, the four steps that uh, people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk use unconsciously. And then what you just shared with the 1116. Now, um, in kind of pulling it all together, are there any other insights or tips related to any of that that you feel would be valuable to our listeners? You've provided so much value already.
1: Well, I think the key is really know what your service or product is the best solution to. Also, try to drill down and see what makes your product or service different. Because as I said, if you merely say you're better than, because everyone says they're better than, you're just gonna be a commodity and they're gonna squeeze you on price. But, uh, and, but if you come up with something that does make it different, it's gotta be real. You can't just sort of say it. I mean, I didn't make it, I didn't make it up that I trained FBI and police hostage negotiators. Um, something else, which I use as a differentiator, but uh, I, I, well, you can just hear it. You know, uh, Meredith, as you know, one of my personal missions is to prevent suicide, and I'm part of a documentary called "Stay Alive," uh, which people can uh, see. It uh, they go to YouTube.com forward slash Stay Alive video, and it's won a couple awards. And I interview uh, Kevin Hines, who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, but part of what makes me different is I was a boots-on-the-ground suicide prevention expert, and in 25 years, none of my patients killed themselves. So so that, that's kind of a differentiator also. So find out what makes you different, uh, and then you won't be treated like a commodity.
0: Excellent. Yes, that's a uh, – and I think that ties back to people positioning themselves – whether it's on social media, in their marketing materials, be upfront about what it is that causes somebody to stop and go, whoa, (laughs) because that's the first step. And I think that what you've just described is excellent. By the way, I want to put a plug in for your other podcast that you've got now called My Wake Up Call, where you interview a variety of people from Larry King to other celebrities and each one of those interviews in and of itself is quite compelling. Um, I haven't been able to listen to all of them because you're so prolific uh, but every single one that I have has been an excellent investment of my time because of your skills in drawing out people's experiences and getting them to talk about their own not weaknesses so much as vulnerable moments when they've been faced with tough situations and they have been able to prevail and what impact that's had on the rest of their lives. So I want to encourage people to look up my Wake Up Call podcast with Dr. Mark Goldston. And I'm always looking forward to your next project because there's always <laughs> plenty of them coming. And you also have a new podcast now for uh, suicide prevention right by the same name
1: it's called stay alive mm-hmm. and uh and you can find that if you go to the mental mental health news radio network mental health news radio network there are over 50 podcasts and they're all related to mental uh health and wellness and in stay alive uh i speak with people who've been touched by suicide either someone in their uh family has died by suicide or they've made attempts and and how they've gotten through it and how they've lived with it. Because, you know, at the end of Schindler's List, uh, there was a famous quote and a famous scene in which Schindler says, uh, I could have saved so many more. And the character played by Ben Kingsley says to uh, Schindler, uh, he gives a quote, I think, from the Bible, whoever saves one life saves the world. So uh, uh, that's, that's part of my central journey. And uh, and for you listeners, if you can make connections where we can show the movie, stay alive and do Q&As and high schools, colleges, uh, town hall meetings, um, that's that's probably what I find most compelling in my life.
0: So how can people reach you and uh, connect with you, Mark, so that they can actually do that?
1: I have a website called markgoulston.com, and it's, and I basically talk, if you go there, it, I talk about that I'm an elephant hunter because, you know, what I focus on is the elephant in the room, which is, which is something that as soon as you reveal it, it's obvious, uh, but nobody sees it. So the elephant in the room about being compelling versus convincing is compelling is going to open people's minds and convincing, if you do it too early, is going to cause them to close up their minds. So you can can reach me at markgoulston.com. Something else you can do for me, uh, I have a pretty big Twitter following, 560,000. And I have a permanently pinned tweet for people who have been touched by suicide and it has 2.4 million impressions and over 1,500 comments. And people just list all the people they know who've died by suicide. And I think it's saving lives because people feel less alone. They just go visit that. And... It's pretty tough and it's heart wrenching, but I think it's life saving because, you know, uh, suicide rates are sky high. It's an epidemic. And, uh, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make it better.
0: Well, I appreciate your commitment to that very important work. And your Twitter handle is it DR Mark Goldston? It's, it's just at Mark At
2: Mark Goulston.
0: M A R
1: K G O U L S T O N. Great. And so thank you for listening in. I, I, uh, Meredith and I always hope that you find things that you can use today that are doable by you. And who knows, maybe we created, wow. Well, well, hmm, yes, you never know.
0: <laughs> that is an excellent point. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate your being with me today, and I look forward to talking with you again soon.
1: Always, Meredith, always. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.